The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. Malhai, welcome back to sharing our stories. Thank you for being here. My name is Slim, along with Nani and Tomas Hernandez. And this program is all about addiction and recovery. We bring in folks who have dealt with addiction to drugs and or alcohol. And they come in, they talk about that addiction and their recovery. Because we want to share that, yes, we do recover. This program is brought to you by Tribe Recovery Homes. Uh, We've got a great guest in. But before we get to our guest, Michael C. from Colorado. By the way, um, I gotta say, what's up to Tomas, man? Because I ain't seen you in, I swear, it's at least two weeks. And yeah, now, man. and now you're on the phone. Now you're on the phone. I'm on. I'm you're on you're always you yeah. you're always working. I have to. Okay, before I give Tomas a hard time about being on the phone, he's got two phones with him because he is constantly working for people in recovery. So I give him a hard time about you're on the phone. You're on the phone. But honestly, like when he's on the phone. He is helping people here in the Mile High and in, and in Las Vegas too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Stop just, giving you a hard time. My apologies. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. No, no. I was just giving the, the guys over uh, in Las Vegas my link. They haven't really seen the show, the stuff that I do. So I just gave them the link so they could check it out. Shout out to T and and and, and Matt. Matt did some amazing photos. You met Matt, one with the big beard. That oh was yeah, at the yeah, grand yeah, opening. yeah, yeah. Awesome Cigar guy. Cigar smoker. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a lot of uh, Patrick and and uh, Luigi and all them showed up. So it was it was pretty awesome to see those guys over there and. Uh, I enjoy them a lot every day. So, Mile High, um, what Tomas is mentioning is we did we just did the grand opening of Tribe Recovery Homes yes, in Las did. Vegas uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, and how's the first two weeks been? Oh man, it's uh, it's still a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. So you know the the smoke clears uh-huh. and uh, lights, camera, action's done, and everybody's kind of feeling like, oh, now we got to go to work. Uh huh. You know, so contracts are coming in a little bit better. We got to clean up the gigantic mess that we made. I mean. We had about an average of about 120 to 150 people on average came through. I think we clocked about 375 mm-hmm. that showed up that day coming through for the grand opening. Yeah, okay. and, you know, just that's just off the shirts that we gave away about yeah. 375 shirts. You know what I mean? So, um, 400 shirts. So give or take, you know, you, you bring that down. A couple of people have doubles. And I got a question for you. What is the first two weeks like in starting a re- in starting a recovery center? You know, this time it was what a little What is the work different. that's going into it? You know, the first two weeks of like when I first started Tribe ever mm-hmm. in the sober homes was just, we were just putting paint on apartments and finding furniture. You know, it's just like, it's, and then it's the same thing that matches in Vegas is just, you just, you know what the abyss looks like. Okay. You know, are they going to come? Where are they going to come from? Getting to know the, it's basically the gel of the employees that are out there. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, uh, getting them to be on deck with each other because we have a couple of people from different states, one from Denver, one from, from, uh, Indiana. And then we have our, our, uh, family from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So all, all of them, yeah, all of them working together and then going on we in come Vegas. in and out from Denver. It's making that one family as a whole. So it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch to keep everybody, you know, on so that. It's page. a lot of clerical work right now. Is yeah, what's going exactly. On. So you know, in the future, how many people like <clears throat> when you get your first home going, how many people do you expect to help in like the first 90 days? First 90 days. I mean, we have the outpatient treatment center. So, you know, we're shooting, you know, we're going to outgrow that space really quickly and mm-hmm. we're looking for a lot of therapists. So, you know, that range, I couldn't give you an exact number. It's going to be with, you know, at least over a hundred people that nice. we're going to serve nice easily, you know, intake at least that much. Mm-hmm. We'll see what the fits are because you know, that's also, we're a new brand there. We're a pre and post incarceration company. So it's not like we're going to turn away help to people, but you know, we're going to refer back to the, to the organizations that, take some of the the different populations that we don't serve you know what i mean so you know 
And you're serving, like you said, primarily people that have been incarcerated. Yeah. So we're we're mainly focusing on those vendors to send us people. You know, mm-hmm. not just like open up with a sign at the general public. Yeah. Hey, come in. You need. You're this. not advertising on the strip. Hey, you've got an addiction problem. That's yeah. Besides gambling, come see us. Yeah. You know, we're talking about people that are locked up. Yeah. In so the, you in know, the Nevada correctional yeah, we've system. Been, yeah, we've been pretty pretty strategic on on who our our uh, okay. points of entry are just like denver you just know like so you know what i tell them is like the other day everybody got a little frustrated i said this is not a vegas thing it's not a denver thing this is a tribe thing this is a god thing mm-hmm. you know this is we we stick to the script we stick to what tribe does we stick to that we're going to be okay we start trying to silo it in different states you know this is this is a brand of recovery that we do we do it well, and that's it. That's all. This mm-hmm. is God's company. This ain't nobody else's company. I'm just a guy that decides the signature on it. You know what I mean? We're doing God's work. We've picked our lane. We're doing it very well, and we need Denver just as much as we need Vegas. Vegas needs us just as much as Denver. You know, so if you get, you know, it's, it's, like, a, it's like any NA room that you're in or AA room or anything like that. You can go anywhere in the country and you feel connectability, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it's the same literature. Mm -hmm. It's the same concept. Same program. Same traditions, everything. It's the same thing with business. If you want to have a successful business, you've got to have that. Tribe is, what you're saying is tribe is going to be the same in Vegas as it is here in Vegas. Exactly. You know, you don't and try when to you expand to California. Same goal. Exactly. Same goal. Exactly. You don't you don't reinvent that process. But what's great about it is if you go to a conference in recovery, what we're we're producing, it's about culture. Mm-hmm. I could walk into a meeting anywhere in the country and get a hug and a greeting from the same people that we're going to read the same paperwork. It's the same thing everywhere. Mm-hmm. If I need a cigarette, if I'm going to go to the same Denny's Village Inn and the same in a different town. You know, there's a meeting after a meeting. I'm still going to raise my hand who has more than a year, God willing, mm-hmm. every day, one day at a time. You know, it's the same concept where we go from, and it's it's a beautiful thing if you keep those. That's one thing that's great about a recovery organization is keeping the concepts that I've learned, and that's what's made me, I believe, a good businessman is keeping the concepts of recovery has got me really far. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, using that, mold in that brand that I've been taught to reinvent my life and in igniting that into a business, it's second to none because it just keeps everything really simple mm-hmm. and you can really concentrate on well, the- I think um the pathway of recovery is as the story of all of our guests that come through yeah. and where they are today. Absolutely. Um, before we get to our guests, what we're going to do in just a moment, I just want to say thank you to you, Tomas, and to you, Nani, for the work that you guys do with Tribe Recovery. Uh, Malhai, if you want to learn more about them, go to triberecoveryhomes.com. Um, let's get to our guests because that's what this program is all about. We bring in a guest to share in uh, their story, their addiction, their recovery, because we hope that by sharing these stories that Somebody out there, it'll relate to them. It will help them. It will give them the inspiration to begin that pathway to their recovery. Or if you're a friend or family member, you can understand them a little bit more and maybe help them be there by their side in their recovery. So welcome to our guest, Michael C. from Colorado. Welcome, 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 Michael. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Slim, for the awesome introduction. Um, I really... I'm a little nervous to be here today. But. Don't be nervous. All right. Don't be nervous. You've got Flamehead right next yep. to you. He will protect you. All right. Uh, you got Nani right here. She'll keep me back if, I, if I'm like, what are you doing? She'll be my common voice All in right. the corner. Cool. All right. Um, no, this is a real safe environment for you. And we thank you for being here. And yeah. we're going to turn the program over to you. This is your show from here on. Right on. Uh, and we want to thank you for being our guest. Smile high. Our guest, Michael C. from Colorado, here on Sharing Our Stories. Awesome, man. Well, I just want to actually thank you guys for actually inviting me over here to tell my story, uh, some that I've never done before. Uh, but one thing that <clears throat> kept ringing in my head from uh, Narcotics Anonymous meetings was if somebody asks you to speak, you don't get to say no. So uh, I like that. Hopefully I want to or I want to share my story and hopefully somebody could relate uh, as I once did to somebody else who I heard their story and uh, just a little nervous about it, you know, uh, <laughs> just because I don't want somebody, my boss or somebody to hear the, hear the something that makes them judge me about it. So I just want to say, if you do know me, don't judge me for my past, please just judge me for what I'm doing in my life today. All right. Uh, yep. All right. Yeah. 
you know what? Let me, and I do interrupt just how Slim says. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've known of you and I know your household. I know your kids. Yeah. There's nothing you need to apologize for. You're one hell of a person, one hell of a father, one hell of a husband. And the things that you've done, there's nobody in this world you need to feel beneath for the story you're about to tell. I just want the community to know that that you are the comeback story and there's nobody in this world could validate any judgment towards you. So right on, man. Put that on the radio. Put that right out <laughs> there. Appreciate yeah. it. Number love. Um, all right, man. Well, I just, I don't know any other way to tell a story than to start at the beginning and middle and then end it. Um, I was born 1989, New Mexico, Santa Fe, New Mexico. I was born to two just amazing parents. Uh, my mom, just an awesome, awesome individual, just a badass in her own right. She was, you know, a civil rights activist as, as in her younger years. So I always grew up with Cesar Chavez and Corky Gonzalez. And she always had a big Che Guevara, you know, thing on the wall. And she was just passionate about it. Environmentalist. She was just a protest kicking uranium companies out of New Mexico for the environment. And she just, just all around... EMT driver, ambulance driver, firefighter. She was just amazing person, man. Uh, my dad, equally badass, a rancher in New Mexico, one of the last real cowboys who just like would live on the land and sleep in a in a tent and live in a cabin with no electricity or water and just a uh, wood burning stove. Um, so he he's an interesting individual himself. Uh, I had a really good childhood. I was raised in the mountains of New Mexico. Uh, till about, till I was about eight, we just, you know, hunted and fished. We had chickens, gardens, horses, uh, beautiful land where natural springs would just come out the side of the mountain. It was like a little paradise there, man. Um, so, I mean, I just, I couldn't complain. It was awesome. Uh, around eight years old, my parents split up, you know, they just, they couldn't make it work. So my mother moved to Alamosa where we had some family, uh, had a cousin up there. Some aunties, my my grandma, and we moved to Alamosa. Um, so we'd go back and forth, dad's house in the summers, mom's house in the in the you know in the school year, and things went on like that for you know till we were teenagers. Uh, that's kind of where you know we started stealing my dad's weed because he was a big old pothead, and you know getting into that whole scene started off with weed. Um, Never really liked it that much, but I still continuously smoke it for some reason. Um, and then I, ha I had an older cousin. His name was Isaac. <clears throat> he was a cool guy. Uh, just toxic personality, you know. He'd walk in the room and just life of the party. He Contagious laugh. and Everybody loved him to death. I loved him to death. I looked up to him as a... Uh, you know, as somebody I wanted to be, I thought he was awesome. Um, but he was involved in pills is what ended up happening, you know, and that, that was the Oxycontin days. And uh, that's kind of where things started to go south, man. I was able to pick up basically a bunch of Oxys for next to nothing. Um, I'd, I'd go get them to him. And he would just love him, you know, and he thought I was cool. And that's really what I wanted, man. I just wanted, I loved the attention. I loved being that guy, you know, it, it gave me something that, you know, made, I, I guess it made me feel more valuable. Um, Cause I've always been a person who's like, uh, you know, a little self-conscious, man. I'm skinny, you know, I never felt comfortable in my own skin, you know, it just, you know, it's just the way it went. So I started getting involved with them, just kind of selling them at first um, till one day, how's the saying go? You sit in the barber chair long enough, you get a haircut, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And ended up using uh, oxys. I think the first time I did, I threw up, said, nope, never doing that again. About two days went by and I did, I did it again. Uh, and that initial, that initial use, man, I, I felt calm and I felt whole. And everything I said was funny. I was confident, you know. Um, 
and that's just kind of the effect it had on me. It gave me a feeling where I was, you know, I think I felt like I figured it out. Like this is, this is what I could do. And this is going to fill all the holes in my life. Right. It just, it gave me that comfort. So I, I did that. I fell into pills. I was always buying and selling and moving. And I don't think I've ever put more effort into something in my life. Just catalog everything. This guy gets his script on this day. This guy gets his script on this day. If I move this for this much and da 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 da, da and I could, you know, get high for free basically. Um, and it just became a whole, it consumed my life, right? Uh, I was in high school at this time. I ended up getting my girlfriend at the time pregnant uh, around 18. So end of, end of high school, we were both in addiction kind of together. You know, we were just in it. We're doing it. She got, you know, she cleaned up while she was pregnant. Um, I just kept using the whole time because I'm an asshole like that. But, you know, just the way it went. We ended up having our daughter in 2008 um you know i work a job still heavily involved in pills uh kind of have her do the do the hustling and the running around while i was at work and then i do the same thing at night and it was just a constant you know party man but i would tell myself while well, we have a place i have a job uh, my kid has diapers and formula and everything so i'm not doing too bad is what I would tell myself um, using through all this. And it was fun, man. It was a party. I just, you know, everybody would come by. I love being that f-ing guy. We'd all get high. We'd all get drunk. We'd just chill. Um, you know, having a f-ing great time, in my opinion, at the time. Um, and then it was a couple years of that. 2000, it was Christmas 2009, Christmas Day. We had actually... <clears throat> we went to my mom's house for Christmas and uh, my mother was my world, man. She was just so, such an amazing person. Like I said earlier, I just, she was always there for me. The person I could call if I was ever going through anything, you know, she'd never have judgment on me. She always had the right words. You know, it wasn't uncommon for her, for me to go over there. And all my friends are hanging out with my mom and she's, you know, giving one of her passionate speeches, you know, she's just a beautiful soul. Um, but that Christmas, she couldn't really wake up. <clears throat> she didn't have energy to, uh, to get up and open presents. And uh, she went to the doctor. We, we knew something was wrong. And uh, she had told us that she got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And uh, <clears throat> about a month later, she died. Um, and it, it just had a profound effect on me, you know. To, to watch her, watch her go like that. And uh, from that point, any, any fun when I was using, it was gone. I wasn't using to have fun. I was using to numb the pain, you know? Um, progressively worse, increased everything. I mean, I was stopped showing up to work because I was getting so high. I thought I could just hustle my way out of it. Me and my baby's mother, we broke up because just things went south. Uh, I moved back into my mom's house with my little brother, um, who we, I mean, we've been in addiction together our whole lives. You know, we started at the same time uh, and uh, I moved back in with him, man. And we just started hustling. We just started doing, you know, making moves and picking up, moving it here and moving it there. And uh, we ended up, we were just little kids, man. We couldn't really handle the mortgage of my mom's house. We couldn't, you know, pay the bills properly. We we're just too far gone. Uh, things were getting pretty hot in Alamosa. So my baby's mother decided to move to New Mexico with, with my daughter. She wanted to clean her life up. So I said, you know what? Alamosa didn't work out for us. Um, I say, we just cut our losses here. I tell my little brother this, let's just cut our losses here and let's move to New Mexico, man. We'll start over. We'll get a place in Española, New Mexico, where, you know, we could just kind of even out and and go through, start again, basically. 
Lowrider <laughs> so, town. Yeah. Lowrider capital of the world. Well, and then the funny thing is about Española is it's not just the lowrider capital of the world. It's the heroin capital of the world. There's more heroin addicts there than uh, per capita than anywhere yeah. else in the world. Exactly. Right? I did some outreach out there. Yeah, man. Uh, so that's that's where we went. Um, and it was just pills at this point, man. It was just oxys. We're just doing that. I told myself, at least it's not heroin. Um, but I think we all know how that story plays out. Is It just goes, it progressives pretty soon. We couldn't get oxys. And it just turned into heroin um so we just started well we moved down there we had the thought right that we're going to clean our lives up get our get our life together um i think that lasted less than a day you know we were sick down there it took us about a day to find somebody to sell it to us so we moved on from that and we just started going hard in espanola um finally somebody a friend we were hanging out with was like man you guys need to get on methadone I think that would really help you guys out. Uh, woke up one morning, went and got on the methadone clinic and loved it, right? And just high dose of methadone every single day. I knew that if I had my $10, I didn't have to spend hundreds search and time searching for it. I just knew if I had $10, I'd get my dose and I'd be good for the day. And in my mind, you could just use on methadone. You could drink on methadone. You could, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to die, uh, is what I told myself. So that's what we did. We just got on methadone, kept doing that for years, a couple years. It brought a little bit of stability to my life because I was able to get a job at Chili's, you know, so I'd work and we'd party and, you know, have my kid over and everything was like, you know, I kind of felt it was a little bit balanced. You thought you were functioning. I thought I was functioning. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, you know what? This isn't so bad. I'll just, you know, stay on this forever. But again, my baby's mom, she didn't want to live in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. So she says, let's, she's going to move with her sister up here to Denver. And I was like, you know what, man, I'm all for that. So she moved up here to Denver. I followed with her and same deal. I, I remember I was crossing the, the state line at the border and I said, this is going to be a new beginning, right? I'm not going to, I'm going to get off methadone. I'm not going to use heroin anymore. I'm not going to use anything anymore. And I'm going to, you know, clean my up, clean my life up. Um, and then that lasted for about a day. You know, I get up here, I started drinking real heavily, real, real heavily. Uh, I stopped using heroin probably just cause I couldn't get it up here. You know, but I, I, I did away with it. I stopped using that. Um, living up here in Denver, things started looking kind of good for a while. I was working. And then um, I think I started lowering my dose to try to get off methadone. And I missed my dose one day. And a friend of mine had said, well, I could get you some, I don't know, some, some kind of pill or something to take the withdrawals away. And I was like, all right, we go to his house and uh, they all bust out meth, you know, and everybody just starts using meth. I think I tried it to, you know, I had done it before, but I started using it. Um, at that point, hated it. And then about a week went by, you know, I called him back up. Hey man, can you get some more of that? And, uh, it just, my addictive personality, I just like to, you know, go from one thing to the next. And if I wasn't feeling high enough, I just wanted to get high on something. Um, the thing about the drug community is it's real, it's real welcoming, right? It's easy to make friends. You could just go around people and you have that in common and all of a sudden you're buddies. And I had a little friend base that I didn't have in Denver. All of a sudden just became my little meth friend base. Um, so I was living in my apartment, still going to work every day, getting high at night. And uh, I was able to function decently well when I was just on methadone and heroin. But the meth, it really, you know, it, it puts, it put my mind for, it, it put it in a spin. People at work started noticing, started screwing things up and being late every single day. And um, finally they had enough of it, just 
uh, I just ended up quitting. But I go home and still had a house full of meth addicts starting to trap out my apartment little by little. You know, I had some friends. They had about 13 stolen cars in the parking lot. Um, started selling it at that point to try to support my habit, pay my bills and everything. And I mean, it just went, it just went really south during that time. So I ended up moving out of that apartment. I got another place, just kind of like an in-house drug dealer at, at one of my friend's house. She let me stay there for free and uh, had a good little, good little routine going where I would just sell enough to get high by my, you know, to make a little money and, and get high. Uh, and then I met Melissa. Uh, she, I don't know if she wants me to say it too much, but she, she was my drug dealer, right? <laughs> she, uh, she, she knew it was coming. She knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. And uh, she, I mean, so she. That's your wife. That's my bing, wife. Bing, right. That's my wife. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, but for some reason, she thought I was pretty cool. I think she she pulled up with like a mutual friend of ours. And uh, I had asked her, the mutual friend was big into stolen cars and I didn't like that kind of shit. So I was like, is this a G ride? You know, is this a G whip? And she was like, no, this is my car. And I was like, okay, cool. I guess she thought, you know, that guy kind of has a little brain to him at least. Um, so we started hanging out. We started, you know, staying in hotels and, and doing the whole hotel thing. Um, you know, selling drugs in hotels and this, that, and the other. And I'd have my kids sometimes. She would have her kids sometimes. So we'd try to butter up and get a better place and get five-star hotels. And we try to paint this facade, right, that we were decent parents and we're just going through some tough times. And, you know, we keep it pretty low-key around the children. But, I mean, ultimately, all we were doing was just running amok. Um, and it got, you know, it got pretty bad. I ended up... Uh, we were at a we were at a hotel and I go to do a deal in the parking lot and I sell to this chick she jumps out the car I jump out the car and just 14 Denver police officers walk up to us just turns out that they were doing stings that day at all the hotels around that area so I get to go to jail with about 90 other people and sit in the holding cell in Denver County for you know I, I think it was like 36 hours straight um, thank God that that happened, by the way, I'll tell you guys here in a little bit why, but, uh, yeah, I got popped. I got on probation. That was the first time you got, that was the first time I got popped doing something major. You know, okay. I'd been to jail before, man. I got, you know, a bunch of warrants for, you know, stealing, boosting, um, little things like that. And kind of just kind of been able to skate away without any, ever getting any, you know, serious felony charges or anything like that. But that one was serious. That was a serious felony charge for distribute or, you know, mm -hmm. distribution. Um, and uh, I mean, one of the times this kind of plays into the story, but one of the times I was in jail, I was sitting with a, with a guy in there that I knew and we were talking about so-and-so man, he's just messing up and so-and-so is just doing bad. And so-and-so was doing really well until he started getting high again, you know, and, we were just sitting there. We came to the conclusion, man, that um, it's such a simple thing. All you have to do is stop using drugs, right? If you just stop using, it sounds like a simple task, but it's so hard and complicated for somebody to actually achieve, right? Um, and that was, you know, one time, and that plays into the story in the future. So I ended up getting pop in Denver, uh, in Denver and I got put on probation and we ended up getting a house. Thank God we got out of the hotels. We ended up getting a house and Melissa got pregnant. Right. And then once again, you know, she was able to just stay clean and cause I'm a dirt bag. I just stayed using, you know, the whole time. Um, we kind of searched out a house in Swansea you know, with the mentality of, oh, people don't call the cops in Swansea. We'll be good to kind of conduct our business there. Uh, just silly way of thinking. But that's <laughs> what we did. Um, and then Melissa had my daughter, Lily, um, beautiful little baby. She's just amazing kid from 
you know, from birth, she just smile all the damn time. She was just so happy. And uh, drugs and relationships, man, they just never mix, you know? So me and Melissa, we started fighting a lot at each other's throats every minute of the day. And it just got, it got really bad and dark. And she, uh, well, she had enough of my shit, I think, you know, and she kind of just gave me the boot. Um, but right before she did, she ended up getting caught on some old warrants or something. And she ended up in jail uh, 30 for 30 days. Right before she went to jail, we hadn't paid our light bill in a couple months. Power got shut off. Uh, we, got, we were behind on the rent, so we were looking at eviction. And all of a sudden, I'm stuck with, you know, this beautiful little kid with no lights, no rent, you know, nothing in this depressing house, you know, sitting here uh, hooked on drugs that I cannot stop using, you know, to save my life. I'm on probation. He's telling me, you know, you got to stop or you're going to go to prison. Um, and I couldn't. Failed every UA. Dark house. No rent paid. Melissa's in prison. And I have this beautiful little baby. And for some reason, man, she's still smiling at me, you know? <laughs> Just beautiful little soul who loves me to death for reasons I can't even fathom. That at that point, I, I said, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to put another kid through through this. I got I to gotta do better for myself. You know, I, I just have to. Uh, still wasn't the end of my run. I still, you know, went out. Melissa ended up getting out of jail, you know, and she said, all right, man, you got to go. Um Took my backpack, put all my stuff in a storage shed up in up in Thornton. I had like two boxes and a duffel bag left in my name after it was all said and done. Uh, went to my house, and I'll never forget it. My, my probation officer called me, and he's like, all right, October 13th, you got to go uh, to rehab. There's no other option. That's where you're going to go. And I was like, all right, let's just whatever. Let's do it. So it was Friday the 13th, October 2017. And my buddy said, he's like, man, this might be the last time you ever use, you know? And I, in my head, I had been using every day for 14 years. Maybe a, if you don't count jail time, maybe seven, 10 days clean, you know? So I've been on something every single day. For 14 years in my mind I couldn't fathom what sobriety was like I couldn't it just didn't make sense to me you know it I, so when he said that it was kind of a depressing thing because I felt like man I don't think this is it um so Melissa because she's awesome and we were even going through all this stuff she still came and picked me up and took me to rehab <laughs> and I Probation officer said, get there at 1030. If you're not there by 1030, um, you're going, you're done. So I got there exactly at 1030, you know, walked in with my duffel bag to TRT at Denver Cares. Um, and I was, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any faith in rehab. All my friends that came out of rehab, they ended up just getting high again. Um, I kind of had this vision in my head from watching like celebrity rehab when I was a kid, you know, they go to like some nice cushy rehab, you know, and it's like has pools in it and things. That's kind of what I envisioned mm -hmm. in my head. Palm no, trees. palm trees. Right. Yeah. They all sit and smoke in the corner, like talk and like have the little affectation of their voice. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I had it in my head. Right. And like, <laughs> uh, it's not that at Denver cares. It's half. It's half um, Denver detox. Scares. Denver scares. Yeah, man. It's half detox, half rehab. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a transitional thing right then and there. You're walking in. You see all these drunks. You hear them banging on the walls when you're in the street or when you're in when you're trying to sleep and they're in the drunk tanks. Boom, boom, boom. You know, it was pretty intense. So. Thank God that's where I got sent because that's actually that's exactly what I needed to uh, to see, man. 
uh, I walked in there. I didn't. I slept for two weeks straight. I was so just, you know, my soul was tired and I was just malnourished and everything that goes along with it. And I would just sleep. I'd wake up. I'd eat. I'd go back to sleep. My buddy that I went in there with, man, he he shook me one day and he's like, "Bro, you got to start coming to these meetings." Because if you don't start coming to these meetings, they're going to kick you out. You know, you you have to do them and get a signature on it. All right, whatever. So I started going to these meetings, right? AA and NA and CA. It was only 20 feet from my from my bunk and, you know, just showed up there. And, you know, some profound happened. Like, you, I just, you, you start hearing, and it sounds cliche, right? But you start hearing all this stuff. Um keep coming back it works if you work it you know i had little faith in in rehab but these people are saying that it works if you work it what does that mean how do i work it you know well you got to do this this and this and this and this yeah so i just the repetitiveness i'd show up there every day somebody else would say some impactful things i'm like you know what maybe maybe this will work and then some guy showed up he told basically my same story. Um, and I saw him leave in a Corvette, you know, and I was like, there's no way, dude. And you could tell he told the grimy side of life, you know, stuff that I've been through repeatedly. And he rolls off in a Corvette. All right, let's give this a try. Right. So started going to meetings every single day. They said, what do you, um, they said, well, you do 90 and 90, right? I said, what's 90 and 90? You do 90 meetings in 90 days. Uh, I was like, no, I'm not going to do 90 meetings in 90 days. You know, you break it down. You got so many hours that I used to dedicate to my addiction every single day. Uh, I could put an hour aside each day for my recovery, right? So I said, all right, I'll do that. I went and got a sponsor. My sponsor, he told me, do three things, show up for work, show up for your family and show up for your recovery, right? Keep it simple. Just do those three things and you'll be all right. And I was like, all right. Um, and I had to learn to dumb myself down a little bit to accept that I didn't know anything. You know, I became Forrest Gump, you know, when he's getting yelled at by the drill sergeant and he goes, what is your sole purpose in this army, Gump? To do whatever you tell me to, sir. <laughs> that's what I did. Whatever you tell me to, man, I'll, I'll do it. And that's what he did. I just kept it up. Um, I heard this guy say once, he was like, when I got clean, that same guy in the Corvette, he said, when I got clean, man, things started lining up for me, right? They started just lining up over a little bit of time. And my life just... You know, it, I don't know how else to say it than things lining up. And I remember thinking, yeah, maybe happened for you, but it's not going to happen for me. I don't have that kind of luck. Um, so I, I got a job right across the street selling AT&T telesales. I hated it to death, but it, you know, it was a job. I had to wake up at eight o'clock in the morning, which was extremely hard because I couldn't get up before noon, you know, so that kind of broke me into it a little bit. And then I started thinking kind of about my future, you know, like, well, I don't want to do cold calls at AT&T anymore. I don't want to work at Chili's. I don't want to work, you know, warehouses or whatever. And so I was smoking outside an AA meeting and I kind of just mentioned, man, I want to get into welding or something. And somebody, they're like, here, it's a free welding class. Call these people, right? Things lining up. <laughs> right. And uh, called the welding class. They said, this isn't a welding class at all. I was like, all right, well, what is it? They're like, it's a pre, it's a um, pre-apprenticeship class to get into your electrical, your pipe fitting, sheet metal or plumbing apprenticeship. I said, cool, let's do that. So I went and took this, you know, for uh, this one month class where they taught me all the basic math where I, I hadn't been in school for 10 years. I didn't remember any of it, even though I was, you know, decently good at math. They taught me that we go do, we do a little electrical one day. We do a little pipe fitting one day. We do a little plumbing one day. We do a little sheet metal the next day. And it was, you know, awesome. And then you get to pick which one you go into. So then I went and I showed up, uh, apply. I 
finished that class on a Thursday. I went and applied at the electrical apprenticeship on Friday. And then I had a job on Monday, you know, and just mm-hmm. went, yeah, went through it, man. Love it. Uh, it was so awesome. I just, I couldn't believe that actually happened for me. And, you know, I just, I, the feeling I had just walking into that first job site, man, you know, it just seems like some real basic, but to me, it was like, I I was playing Kevin Gates. That song came up, just felt like I came up in the world. I was just strolling in there, <laughs> you know, on the bus, had this raggy tag, little thing of tools. I don't have my license. At the, you know, I don't have my driver's license, which was a requirement to get into the apprenticeship. But I was like, man, I'm going to try it. What are they going to tell me? No, I could take no. I went and slapped my ID on the counter. Cool. Welcome in. You're an apprentice now, you know, lining up, right? (laughs) Everything lined up. I walked into that first job site, man. And I just, I felt awesome. Right. Not making much money, but I, I just knew it would go somewhere. Uh, my bosses, they didn't really like me at first. They're like, this kid's on the bus. Nobody takes the bus to these places. You know, he got some ragged tag, little thing of tools. And uh, I just didn't let anything get to me. You know, if you need something done, I'm on it. You know, if you need this, I'm on it. You know, right. I get there half hour early every day because I never wanted to be late. So eventually they started saying like, damn, yeah, this Mike's all right, you know, yeah. he's cool. Um, Des- getting desperation is the best power, right? Isn't it though? That gift of desperation, man. I just, I didn't, I just wanted to do better, you know? And just once I got better, man, I said, this is how I'm going to live. You know, this, uh, I have to stay clean to live like this. Um, and I did, man, I got into school. I was always really smart in high school. And it's one of my biggest regrets to not, apply myself right um in school i was great at it i would just do enough to pass my classes without even trying if i would have applied myself i probably would have got a lot farther in life so this second time around i said i'm gonna apply myself to school you know i didn't miss any classes for like three years i did my homework i did it honestly asked the teacher questions i show up to every single class you know i was just you know i I just made myself a promise. I'm not going to mess up like that again. Um, so we're working, working through school, working my job. And Melissa, she, uh, you know, starts to notice that I'm not kind of just a, you know, little anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, she would come and drop Lily off in my apartment, you know, and and you know, so I could spend time with her. And you know, we were kind of doing that little thing and. Uh, even though we couldn't stand each other uh, a couple months before that, you know, it just, everything just rekindled, man. And, you know, she had been doing really well in her life and I had been doing really well in my life. And it just, we just reconnected, man. And it was on. We just, I left the, my old apartment. We got a new place with, um, you know, we had it because we're horrible renters and whatnot and evictions. We had to find like a, you know, a, what do they call it? Private owner or whatever. Yeah, we had to find a private owner. Maxed out. We got this massive house that we could barely afford. And we're just sitting there scraping by, you know, and so broke as a first year apprentice that I I had holes in my socks. I had a hole in like my big toe, right? And then my other sock had a hole in the little toe. So I just put them both together so I didn't have to have any holes in my socks in the cold, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I put I put pajamas on underneath my underneath my underneath my clothes because it was just so bitter cold. We were working outside, and you know it was it was just a rough go at it. But I was just determined. I was not going to quit, man. Uh, and then second year rolls around, I got a little bit of a raise. You know, third roll year rolls around, a little bit of a raise. Uh, right around third year, um, you know, as a third year apprentice, I started making a little bit more money. And I remember my friend, um, we were talking about stocks, right? He's like, I invest in this and I invest in that. And I just bought a house and And it kind of just dawned on me how everything switched, right? It just, my, the people around me, like, you're talking about stocks. You're talking about owning a house. And this guy just went to Europe and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know? And just my circle around me had just elevated, right? Mm -hmm. 
And it just, it blew my mind. I'm like, I can't believe I'm sitting here in these kind of conversations with these kind of mm -hmm. people. You know, it just, it's, I just never would have thought it. Um, my buddy, he told me, man, you need to invest in this Dogecoin, right? It was like a third of a cent, right? Things lining up. I bought like $10 of Dogecoin. A couple of years later, it was worth, or like a year later, it was worth like three grand, right? <laughs> of $10. It was insane, right? Boom, took the three grand, put it down on, you know, a down payment of our first house, mm -hmm. you know? It's just, it's great, man. And that's where um, we're kind of just sitting today. I, I have a house. I have my kids. I mean, you know, we got Melissa a brand new car. I'm about to get my license back. I'm able to go get a truck. And that's just the side effects, right? That's not what I'm solely after. That's just been the side effects of my recovery. You know, the real, the real um, prize here for me is I have my family and I'm able to provide for them and I'm able to give them a good life. You know, one that I never really had, you know, I just, I get to play with my kid every night. You know, we <laughs> do this, she invents these silly little games where, you know, I'll, I'll roll across. We got a Cali King mattress, right? And I'll just roll across the bed like a log and she'll just jump over me. Right. <laughs> yeah. And she's just gotten so good at it that I just end up rolling back and forth for like, you know, hours because she's just so good at jumping over me. So I had to invent this other thing. It's crazy blind tiger where I just kind of close my eyes and then snatch her up and body slam her. Right. <laughs> and like, yeah. And I'm telling you, I don't have, that's like one of the most, it's like one of the most joyous things Girl, that I've man. ever done, dude. You know what I mean? We sit there and we laugh and she just has a great time. I just feel in my soul. Like, you know, this is, this is fantastic. You know, this is a peaceful, beautiful life. Um, and that's, you know, that's where I'm at. Um, Peaceful, beautiful life. Yeah. Peaceful, beautiful life, man. And that's that's where I come. And that's not to say that, you know, um, I've I haven't had to face any hard times in recovery as well, you know. Um, one of the, you know, things that happened just a few months ago, my brother actually passed away from a hit and run <clears throat> in Alamosa. Uh and I mean it rocked it rocked me down to down to my core. Um I mean, we're always so close. We're all a year apart, you know. And, um, you know, I had to kind of take on the lead of everything. You know, I had to go down to Alamosa. I had to plan his funeral. I had to speak at his funeral for his eulogy. Um, you know, it was just, it was something that was real rough, but it, it kind of made me, I'm glad that I was able to at least do that for him, you know. Clear eyes. Right. And I was able to be that person, you know. You know, uh, we we talk about it in Tribe and just in general. Um, your recovery is your superpower. Anything mm -hmm. can happen. The whole world could crash down on you. But as long as I'm sober and I'm clean, right, nothing can beat me. Yeah. Because I'm going to figure it out. But I got a clear mind, a clear shot. Yes, sir. I can sit down with concepts. I could, I could call somebody in recovery. I could think about it. And I make a plan. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be okay. It don't matter what happens. Right. There's nothing I can't handle. You know, if I lost my job tomorrow and if I lost my house tomorrow and if everything yeah. just fell apart, there's this feeling where I don't, I don't have problems. I have situations, right? And I can yeah. handle it no matter what. Mm -hmm. I just have to stay clean. So, yeah. you know, going through that was, you know, it was so rough and it was hard. Um but I'm proud use. of you on that because you know everybody was was pulling for you. You yeah. know, we're uh, everybody listening. We're, we're pretty close with uh, Mike and his wife. Uh, actually, his wife is my uh, my prodigy. She took over my yeah. whole my whole organization. Yeah. She's, she's top she's dog the, of tribe. The top dog of tribe, and she's <laughs> uh, you know, she's they they make it look easy, but the things that they would have to share that they've went through to get here took an amazing amount of hard work. Right. Mm -hmm. There was not an inch of days off in that whole household to get there. And that's right. why we really enjoy having you on here. So if, if people in recovery and the people that are listening um, understand that 
recovery is not just you get things. You got to be able to work hard. Right. You know, being an electrician is not easy. Is not easy. You know what I mean? And working for me is definitely not easy. <laughs> things definitely <laughs> fell into place. You right. know, yeah. for you, things fell into place, but they did. But I mean, I keep thinking, I wrote it down when you said your sponsor said you got to show up for three things for work, right. for your family, and for your recovery. Right. Mm-hmm. And everything you said after you mentioned your sponsor saying that to you mm-hmm. involved you showing up for things. Right. Like yeah. you, 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 you stand by that still to this day, right? You yeah. show up for things, show up for things. Yeah. Yep. And also your actions are the ground you stand on. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, what are you doing? You know, you people, nobody's coming to save you, man. You, you have to show up. You yeah. have to stand up. You have to beat the concrete. You have to go get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nobody's going to just, nobody's here to save you, man. You got to, we lost so much time using we right. broke so many hearts. We put a lot of family members on ledges and dropped them on their face. Right. You know, nobody trusts us. Still to the day, to the day, I will get stigmatized a million ways this Sunday. I thought it was over, right? And mm-hmm. then I walk up into Vegas and nobody knows me. And it rebooted again. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just this tattoo-headed Mexican coming around like <laughs> You know, I feel like I got to walk around with my discovery and my audits from Medicaid with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Licensure. Oh. Look, I got a picture with this such and such, you know, but no, I don't. You know what I mean? My my work is going to speak for it, and that's the way it is. But right. that's just a testimony to every day. And so the stigmatization of, of us as addicts in, in, in recovery with mental health and the way society views upon the people that have the issues that we've had in the past, but that's okay. If you're okay with embracing it and every day showing up, it's just like that tool bag. It's mm-hmm. just like taking the bus. Cause you know what? People that don't really understand about apprenticeships, a lot of us don't even get the shot. They'll tell you to, to they'll turn you around just because you don't have a license. Right. They won't even let you take the bus to the, to the site. Right. You know what I mean? And and that was that blessing, like how everything lines up, yeah. especially getting it from Denver scares. Oh, like man, that place, I'll tell you what, we, we'll send you to uh, everybody. We'll send you to Denver cares. If you don't want to wise up like, all right, we're dropping you off. Do you want to go to detox? And we can take you to a detox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. going to take you to the iron doors. I think it was, if you it was, don't want to, if you don't want to act right. It was great for me, man. Cause I'd see, you know, I mean, you see these people, yeah. you know, and they're just, I, I hate to say it, but some people just seem too far gone. They yeah. just, they're wet brain. They can't speak. They, you know, yeah. it's bad. And I, Damage. I would sit there and think, man, some of these people were exactly where I am today. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's my future. If I don't get my don't life together, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah, jumping back to the apprenticeship, man. So, like, I started studying. Like I said, I, I said I was going to give it my all this time. Um, I just actually finished school, five-year apprenticeship man. in May. Uh, during my last... Thank you, thank you, yes. thank you. Uh, during my last couple of weeks, I was sitting in class, and uh, I get a text message from the from the teacher and he goes, hey, man, I just want to let you know you're in the running for the Kennedy Award, right? Kennedy Award is the valedictorian, you know, of the class. And he said, just do your best on this next test, man. I just want to let you know this is a great achievement. I was like, I never fathomed, you know, that I would. There's way there's people way smarter than me. I don't even compare, you know, and that I was even in the running for it. You know, That's awesome. Yeah. So I did, man. I slayed that last test, and um, he came up to me. He goes, hey, bro, you got it. And so turned Congratulations. out. Congratulations. Top of yeah. the class, 2023 from the DJ EATC Training Center. You nice. Know, you know, so does so. that make you officially an electrician? Oh, I was officially an re- okay. electrician before that, yeah. Okay, but you know, I got graduated my, the class. Right. I got, I got my license got fourth year. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, officially yeah. done. So. You're a master apprentice. You're a master electrician. That's next. That's next. That's the next license is master electrician. Yeah, master license. You can install the bath fan in my bathroom. 
Come on, bro. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> I've been doing the. I've been doing the, I've been doing the cameras for Tribe, man. Yeah, you man. Know? <laughs> yeah. man. Those are. Yeah. Those I don't are do cameras. I just show up and I figured it out. I was like, oh. Yeah. That's what we do with the whole thing, man. That's why I got Melissa there because now, now they ain't gotta like. I gotta call a Mexican. Wait, I'm the Mexican. I gotta call myself. Me and Dan, we had to put that stuff together ourselves. Now it's Melissa's headache. Like the other day, she was like, "Can I?" Like, don't even ask me. You're the boss. Go ahead. It's all you. All you, buddy. Nice. See you later. Yeah, uh, nice. Michael, you got anything you want to share with somebody who might be in the first steps of their recovery or thinking about a recovery or suffering in their addiction? Well, I, I do. I <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to sound harsh or nothing, but I, it's my firm belief, right, that it is not okay to waste your life on drugs and alcohol. It, it's not. It's It's unacceptable. And I'll tell you why it's unacceptable is because the massive amount of untapped potential in every Amen. single person out there that's wasted, right? I mean, the it just, it's not okay, right? Like, look at this man right here. He got clean and he built an empire. They should have murals of you downtown Denver, right? <laughs> Probably in a couple of years. You know, you're like, you're like the Cesar Chavez of Denver, bro. You're, you're helping the community um, elevate themselves. Right. And, and bring, uh, uh, bring up people from this, from this addiction. Um, Thank you. and uh, that's what I would like to, to broadcast to people, man, is, is just get clean. Your you family know. will love you. You know, you will love you. Your life will be better. You know, you'll have peace. You know what? That was the last thing that my dad said when I was high. He says, not okay for you yeah. to waste your talent. Yeah, man. Talked about the farm because we have a similar life. That My, my, my dad came from the farmland. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I worked my tail off to get you here. And it's not okay for you to be who you became. Right. I'm not going to put up with it any longer. Yeah, man. You know, that was all I needed to hear. From a man like that, you know what I mean? And that's, you know, maybe our listeners right now can hear that, that it could resonate from you because it's really not a from a place from sternness and being mean. It's a place from love. I do believe that's where you're bringing that from, Mike. And, yeah, and it where is. where I'm coming oh, yeah. from, you know, it's, it is. it's not okay it's to not waste hurt. your life out there because you've got so much potential out there, you know, like Nani Slim Ginger that's watching. Ginger's amazing, man. She's, that girl's magic. <laughs> magic man. telling you you know the people that are in that in that office just do amazing amazing things i could list off so many people in their hobby uh, man you know russ genie genie is just something off the chains i mean literally our computer record systems are gonna beta max off of our company because of what her and Ozzy have done in the last, we've only been with ECW for like four months. They thought we'd been with them for years, and they're beta maxing off of what Jeannie's put together on that. On that, and that I, speaks to what you're saying. You know what I mean? I have it's, no idea what you're on. What this means, <laughs> what this means is this. Let's try to follow so too. check it out. So like when you have a uh, health record system, right? Yeah. We changed it to a health record system. Jeannie is our data person that works under our clinical director. Okay. She has done so many different things with this program to make it streamlined and work so good that the actual developers of that programming has called us to beta max our model and our ideas off to make their programming better. You're a leader, though. I he yeah. just said you need a mural downtown. Yeah, but yeah. that's Genie's work, though. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's, but the know. whole crew, the Tribe Recovery yeah, that's, Mural, that's, it's needs cool. to be there coming you know. down. All you guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Bye. crazy. Um, time has flown by and, yeah. and I hate to say that we we have to wrap up but that is where we were at it is time for us to wrap up and I want to yeah, first say thank that. you so much to Michael C from Colorado for being our guest thanks for having congratulations me congratulations for where you are in your life continue that hard work because it's not easy so continue that hard work those steps that your sponsor said those three things that you need to keep going for he said where was it? Where was it? I had it on my notes here. You want me to tell you? You tell me because I know you live by it. You're, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put three. Your family, your your work, family, work, family, and your and recovery. recovery. Show them up. Yeah. Show up for work, family, and your recovery. Maybe that's oh, Melissa's I, first shirt she needs to make. Yeah. Show her up first for, year yeah. reigning in. Can her we make position. a tribe shirt like that, man? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, Michael C. from Colorado, thank you so much. No pressure. Mahai, this is sharing our stories. We will be back next week. This program is brought to you in part by Caring for Denver. We want to thank them for all the work that they do in the Mile High to make sure that you have access to recovery. Um, And of course, it is brought to you by Tribe Recovery Homes. And if you're looking for recovery here in the Mile High and you don't know where to start, go to triberecoveryhomes.com. We'll give them a call. 720-60-TRIBE. 720 Six zero tribe, and if they can't help you, they're going to put you in contact with somebody who can, because that's what it's all about. Thank you to Nani Al Jalil. Say hi, Nani. Hi. She was hey. so left out today. She she was absolutely <laughs> left on. out. I came back with my big mouth. Thank you to Tomas Hernandez, the entire Tribe Recovery family, and once again, thank you to our guest Michael C from Colorado. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mahai, you can check out this program at flowdamber.com, at jammin1015.com. Please like, share, and subscribe. And uh, we will see you again right here for another edition of Sharing Our Stories.